right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Hoop Chat. It's Jay here, writing solo on this one. Just wanted to hop on here real quick and share some thoughts on two teams in the Western Conference that I've been paying a little bit more attention to uh, since the trade deadline. Those two teams are, of course, the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, we still have yet to see what Phoenix looks like. I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts on that going forward in, in, other, in other pods. But for the purpose of this show, I wanted to focus on those two teams and what it's looked like for Dallas since the Kyrie trade and for the Lakers, what it's looked like since they shipped out Russ and brought back Russell, Vanderbilt, and Beasley. Um, and it's been... I mean, it's been interesting for both teams, and I guess we can start with Dallas. That first game that Luka and Kyrie played with each other, first game that they shared the court was against the Kings, and sort of the first thing, I guess when the trade happened initially, I already knew it was it was going to be pretty rough defensively. Everyone, like, we all thought the same thing. We're like, okay, it, it, that defensively, you have Kyrie and you have Luka and you lose Finney Smith and you lose Dinwiddie, who's, you know serviceable on defense and now those are your two perimeter defenders Kyrie and Luka you just know there's going to be a drop especially because on the back end it's not great with Christian Wood who's just there's times where he just doesn't know where he's at on the court and then you got some younger guys like Jaden Ivey and Josh Green who you have to rely on and then Bullock who's probably their best defender and Powell and um Kleba who they miss who has been out for a little bit but defensively, you knew it was going to be kind of rough. You knew it was probably going to be horrific at times, which it has been. And that's the main reason why they actually haven't won a game yet. They're 0-2 with those two on the court. They lost to Denver, um, but Kyrie didn't play in that game. And then they ended up beating the Clippers, which Luka didn't play in. So with Kyrie and Luka on the court, they're 0-2 defensively. And if you think if you ask a Mavs fan the main reason why they're 0-2, they'll probably tell you it's because of the defense. But... I first wanted to talk about the offense and what it's looked like so far, um, what the adjustment has sort of looked like for Jason Kidd and what he's running on offense, uh, the adjustment or maybe lack thereof that Luca's made so far and the adjustment that Kyrie's made, I think, so far. Um, and what it will mean for them in the playoffs, I think, because that's really the end goal here for both these teams, the Mavericks and the Lakers. I think they're... They're sort of in that win-now mode. This is a chance, which is why they make the trade. This is a chance now where the Western Conference is sort of wide open. I know you have Phoenix, but they have their own question marks, the main one being health, which I'll always say. Like, if you say health is the reason why you're not picking Phoenix to win the title, I would not argue with you on that. But I think Dallas and Los Angeles have both seen a window here this year where they can win it. And with LeBron, I think when he's on your roster, you're always trying to win. But with Luka now, you're getting to that point where you really want to start competing. And they've done that. I mean, they made the Western Conference Finals last year. But, you know, that contract is coming up soon. And the, the Supermax discussion with him is going to be had. And obviously, they're going to offer it to him because he's fucking Luka. But there's another side of that token that Dallas fans don't want to think about. And it's what if after a few more years, you haven't made it past the Western Conference. Maybe you haven't gone back to the Western Conference Finals. And Luka's looking around like, yo, what are we, are we trying to win championships or what? And I think that's why Dallas took the gamble they took uh, by trading for Kyrie. And that's why the Lakers did what they did for their own reasons with LeBron being on the team. But the Mavs, offensively, it has been 
it's been interesting. I mean, there's moments where they look absolutely dynamic on the court. Um, there's instances in which I remember in both games against the Kings and the, the Timberwolves in which Luka breaks down a defender. He's by someone. The help comes. He swings it. It's fucking Kyrie Irving. And either he has an open shot or the guy who's trying to you know, recover on defense finally catches up to Kyrie who's by him with one dribble move. And then next thing you know, either Josh Green is wide open for a three in the corner or Kyrie has a layup. Like, several instances of which that's happened on the court already, which we've come to expect. But I think the real thing that's sort of piqued my interest with Dallas on the offensive end has been what it's looked like with them off the court. And I think that's really what Dallas was trading for. Um, you know, not as much for the reason of what it looks like on the court. Obviously, that's what they're trading for is having to guard those two guys in a close game in the playoffs. It's, it's going to be an absolute nightmare if Kyrie's on the court. But it's what it looks like and what teams are going to have to sort of now uh, take into account what it when Luka's off the court. Because now you have Kyrie Irving. You plug him in. You haven't had a guy like this since Jalen Brunson. And Kyrie, Jalen Brunson's great. Probably should have been an all-star this year. A lot of guys should have been. But he's he's in that group for me of who, you know, you would say, yeah, if he's an all-star, I'm not mad at that. That He deserves it. He's definitely in that group. But you replace him now, which they have clearly missed for the first half of this year before the trade. And now you bring in a guy like Kyrie Irving. And, I mean, this is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. I know it's different circumstances. Teams are different. Everything's different. But... I don't know. I mean, it's 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 pretty it's pretty serious, especially with now that you can have a guy with Luca off the court who can just carry the offense, which we know Kyrie's capable of. I think that's really what Dallas was um was banking on when they made this trade. Is man, now when Luca's off the court, we're not going to have these horrific plus minus numbers, and we're not relying on Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, who are great players. You know, real real solid guys on the court, but they're not number ones. And there was times where if it wasn't Dinwiddie, then those are the guys they're looking at. Like, yo, you're going to have to generate offense. Luka's not out here right now. Now that guy's Kyrie Irving. And uh, I just wanted to look at some numbers here that I wanted to share with you all. This is per cleaning the glass. Shout out to them. But it's a simple stat. Um, it's what the efficiency is for the offense with Kyrie Irving on the court and Luka off the court. And... Obviously, small sample size is only 199 possessions in which uh, that lineup combination of Kyrie on and Luka off has been the case. But in those possessions, they are scoring at a rate of 123 points per possession, which is in the 97th percentile of the league, which is really good. Um, they're outscoring teams by plus seven. So they're they're just they're differential. They're just beating teams when that's the case. They're winning those lineups. And um, the effective field goal percentage, which is basically what they shoot from the field, taking it, taking the three into account as well as the free throws, they're at 64.5%, which is in the 100th percentile, which basically means it's as good as it gets in the league. So when Luka is off the court and Kyrie is on the court, they have been really good. And, you know, we'll talk about why they're 0-2 when that has been the case so far, but... I think offensively they're just scratching the surface of what they, you know, what the final product's going to look like and I think it man it's going to be really hard to guard this team when those two guys are on the court. Um 
and they're going to have some moments of adjusting. I talked about that. Like they're obviously we're going to see who really makes the adjustment when it really the going gets tough. Like what's the style? It's probably going to still be Lucas if I had to guess, but I still think that Luca is going to have to have more moments in games where he's, you know, out running a little bit more at least. And, you know, trying to get the offense going faster because when you have Kyrie out there, that just makes sense to me. But, um, yeah, they're going to have adjustments. There's going to be more adjustments. Like, at the end of the Timberwolves game, I mean, that game was wild because they were down 20, and then Luka goes to the bench, Kyrie with the second unit, scores 23 points, and, like, the second half of that run, of course, was with Luka on the floor. But, like, the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, first six minutes, it was just Kyrie going crazy against uh minnesota's defense like getting whatever he wants getting his teammates involved getting guys open looks uh, underrated part about Kyrie's game is his ability to play make he's not you know obviously at the level of luke or even a guy like harden but he does have the ability to get guys involved like he's just really good offensively and and that wolves game they were down 20 they go on a crazy run playing his style fast pace luca comes in uh they they close the lead. They close that gap even more. And then it gets to the point where they're down three. And this is why I say there's going to be more adjusting that needs to be done. Because they're down three. I think Minnesota missed some free throws. And Luka brings it up the court. The ball is loose. He recovers it. He brings it up past half court. Passes it off to Kyrie who starts dribbling, dancing. Sort of like that Steph moment in the finals against Kevin Love at the end of game seven, where he's like dancing and trying to look for a three. And he, he could easily take any of the shots that he just created, but he keeps doing another move that wasn't needed. And then he passes it back to Luca or tries to pass it back to Luca, gets deflected. It's a turnover and they end up losing. And it's like, Oh wow. So neither of you guys took the final shot. That's that was probably like the last thing I think Mavericks fans were expecting, but yeah, that, that happened. I'm sure they're going to figure that out. Those two guys, they, they think at a different level on that end. I was probably just like, uh, you know, first time that shit happens. But I think they're going to figure they're going to find a nice balance on uh, who closes the games. But yeah, offensively, I'm not really too concerned with this team. I think it's going to be high level offense. I mean, they dropped what 134 in Sacramento. They have 120 something in Minnesota. They're going to put up points. But defensively and the reason why they haven't won a game yet and what the real concern is with this team is why they're 0-2. And, and it's a real cause for concern because, I mean, in the Kings game, in overtime, there were moments where Luka was just getting hunted. There were moments earlier in that game, I'm just trying to recall, where Christian Wood was getting torched. And Dallas, from what it looks like so far, from what I've seen in this sort of you know small sample size, again, of Kyrie being on this team, it looks like they're switching everything off the ball so whenever there's some cuts some back cuts you know some off ball screens trying to get a shooter open shooter open looks like dallas is switching that from what i've seen and then when it's on the ball action when it's pick and roll when they're defending things like that they're keeping the guy in drop and christian wood when he's the guy that it's it's getting picked on in the pick and roll and he's getting hunted it's bad like he's man i don't know what they're gonna do that the Kleber maxi Kleber's out they're gonna get him back soon that's probably going to help. But you're going to need Christian Wood out there. Like, that's a guy making, I don't know, 20-plus mil a year. Like, you're sort of getting getting a good amount of offense from him. You're scoring. A lot of that comes from him. So they're going to need him out there sometimes. And they're going to need him playing defense. And right now, it just it, I'm telling you, it looks really bad. 
And then, of course, like I mentioned, Luka was getting hunted in overtime. And that's the thing now, because when you have Kyrie on the court, you lose Finney Smith, first of all, who's a plus defender, like really good defender in the league. You lose Dinwiddie, who's serviceable. And then now you have Kyrie, minus defender, let's be honest. Luka, even more minus of a defender, which is, that's scary because he's 6'8", and he should be able to at least do something on that end. But he, it's, it's bad with him. And they were going at him. Darren Fox, they were using Herder to go at him, forcing him into some action. Like they were just hunting him. And that and in that overtime, they couldn't get a stop. I mean, there was moments in that overtime. I'm telling you, that game was so crazy. But there was a moment in that overtime where Kyrie went on like a 10-0 scoring bender. I think it was in the fourth quarter into the overtime. He had one move where he just spun off Sabonis and then finished with his left hand. And I'll always say that he does not get enough compliments on his ability to use his left hand, his off hand, it's just, it's crazy. But I mean, there was moments where he was getting hunted. Luca was getting hunted and that's going to be a problem for them down the stretch, closing these games, trying to get a stop on defense when you have those two guys on the floor and the back end, it's not the greatest. So yeah, that's really the real concern. Overall vibes. I mean, it's a small sample size. I just had this written down. Like, how do you feel about them so far? Sort of the question I asked myself. I guess if I had to grade it on a scale from 1 to 10 in this, again, acknowledging small sample size, I would probably say a 7. Because I think the offensive potential is so crazy. But, you know, I can't I can't say I'm too confident in this team because, one, it's Kyrie Irving. We know how this story has ended the past three times. But, two, like I said, defensively, man, it's it's tough. But... We'll see. They've been fun to watch. It's They're going to be really fun to watch second half of the season. I think there's going to be games where we might see both of them score 40 and they're they're going to win a good amount of games. Like they're going to be they're going to win enough games in the regular season where they're probably out the plan. They're within that top 6 seed, I think. But I think along the way we're going to get some more clues and more hints and a better idea of you know what it really looks like when it matters and the jury's still out on that. And the second team that we have and the last team that I wanted to share some thoughts on are, of course, the Lakers, who have played three games since the trade. They played against the Warriors, which they won. Then they played against the Blazers, which they lost, both games without LeBron. And then they played against the Pelicans to close out the second half of the year for them right before the All-Star break. LeBron was back for that game. They end up winning that one 120-102. to probably the best they looked all season but I guess some thoughts from the other two games that LeBron didn't play in before we talk about that game against the Warriors and this is you know you can learn a little bit not a lot again small sample size and LeBron's not in these games but I think there is a little thing some little things that you could pick up on one being you know just what the team is going to look like when LeBron's on the bench when they do have LeBron which we got to see in the Pelicans game but we got to see more of in these two games obviously and two, just, you know, who's going to be that other guy to sort of have the ball in his hands and run the offense? Because we know AD's not that guy. He's more of a, I need you to sort of set me up kind of guy on the offensive end, which is kind of disappointing because that wasn't the case with him at one point. But I think that's who he is now. Um, and in the Warriors game, there were some things that stood out to me. Well, the first thing was the D-Lo and AD pick and roll. I thought that was a thing early. It looked like they were just getting easy offense whenever those two guys were involved. 
um, Vanderbilt, who came in, and I know probably 90%, that's, that was a little mean, I guess maybe 70%, uh, I don't know, between 70 and 90% of Laker fans, at least on Twitter, probably had no idea who Vanderbilt was, and then the second Vanderbilt gets a steal and does all the things that he does, you see uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt is amazing, Hall of Famer, the next coming of Christ, I mean, it was just a, a gush fest for him from Lakers fans, and Looks like he's going to end up being their new glory boy. But yeah, he came off the bench. Great energy. He was doing a little bit of everything. He was setting good screens, getting deflections, getting steals, making some passes, rebounding. I mean, he was literally doing everything. And it's he's going to play, I think, a pivotal role for them down the stretch. Um, Malik Beasley, he was not afraid to shoot that game. Although there were a lot of bricks, you kind of liked the confidence. And then you kind of saw in the second half of the Blazers game, he knocked down, I think, six threes. So... That's what you're getting with him. Streaky shooter. He's going to go on these rough stretches where he can't hit anything. And then he'll hit six threes and a half like he did against Portland. And that's sort of the guy you want out there with LeBron. Um, so he was not shy in his first game with the Lakers. Um, another thing I thought was interesting was uh, Ham's decision to play both D'Lo and Schroeder together. I think they started together in that game and... Pretty sure they closed together, too. That was not the case when LeBron was back, but uh, in the two games he did not play, it was a lot of D'Lo and Schroeder on the court, which, I mean, I'm guessing, but I think part of it is probably you have D'Angelo Russell and then you have Dennis Schroeder. These are two guys who can, you know, they can dribble the ball. They, they, they can sort of run the point guard duties. I'm putting that in quotes and initiate the offense and break down a defender if they need to, if, if they, if you need them to, and get you a shot at the end of the shot clock that's you know i think that's maybe why he has both of those guys out there especially with no lebron and again ad being the kind of guy he is right now um but i thought that was interesting having those two guys on the court the thing is defensively it's really bad when it's both of them out there like d'lo as great as he's been in these few games with the lakers and i'm sure timberwolf fans are just rolling their eyes like yeah <laughs> like just get used to that but Defensively, that that that's in a mess when you have both of those guys out there. I mean, Jordan Poole and Clay were just getting whatever they wanted in that game, um, and then AD in that game, which it doesn't even surprise me anymore when he has these performances. But it's worth pointing out he was just an absolute mess down the stretch. I mean, I couldn't even remember how much times there were, how much plays I I saw when he would catch the ball. Either he would get it stripped or he would go up weak and he would just miss everything. He wouldn't even touch rim. And he's complaining that he got fouled. I mean, defensively, he's great. He was great defensively on that end. And that's why they ended up winning that game was their ability to get stops late in that game. He had a couple of blocks at the rim. He turned it up defensively. But offensively, he was a mess. And they were so close to losing that game to a Golden State team who's also shorthanded without Steph and they're, they're their own story that we'll probably talk about in a different episode. But um, in the Blazers game, AD was sort of back to who he was. But the thing in that game was D'Lo and Schroeder weren't, weren't hitting the threes. They were hitting in the Warriors game. Malik Beasley couldn't buy a three in the first half. Like I mentioned, ended up hitting six in the second half. But at that point, I think Portland hit 17 threes in the first half. Dame had 30. He was just annihilating them. And the Lakers only had two three-pointers in the first half. And that was sort of the game. Like, in the second half, they got it together. They sort of made a little bit of a comeback, but the damage was already done at that point. Still some things, though, that I liked from both those games. Like I said, Beasley's just confidence. Like, he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot whenever I touch the ball. 
if you're LeBron, you want that to an extent. But I think I don't think Beasley's that tapped. He'll know when to you know tone it down. And he, he did that in the post game. I thought it was a good balanced game from him. Um, and Delos look good for you, but defensively, I think they're probably still gonna have to find the right lineup to still have the best you know offensive production. But still have you know enough defense where they're just not giving up too automatically on the other end, whether they're getting two, you know, on their end. Uh, so I think that's we're gonna we're gonna see how that plays out throughout the season. But the Pelicans game, that's really what matters. LeBron's back. They start with D'Lo, Beasley, Braun, Vanderbilt, and AD. Which that lineup right there, D'Lo's probably the weakest defender, but that's a really good lineup. So maybe he already figured it out. Maybe Darden Ham has already figured out this is probably the lineup we go with. Uh, down the stretch even, you know, maybe depending on which uh, which other guy's hot. But that's a lineup I think they're going to play a lot. Um, so that they started, Vanderbilt was guarding B.I. to start, and Beasley was guarding C.J. So already you see the two guys that they brought in. You guys are going to be important for us on defense, and they're making that let known right away. Vanderbilt was giving B.I. such a hard time. I mean, he's such a good player. I I'm not sure Lakers fans really understand that they, they I mean, they might have gotten a gem because he's really young too. I think he's only 23 and he, he shows flashes on offense. He's already really good defensively. Like you watch him and he looks like, oh, that like, this is, sounds disrespectful, but like a Jay Crowder at his peak. And what I'm really trying to say is he already looks like a guy when you see him out there. It's like, he's doing the right thing. He's wowing me. Like I'm confident in him. And then you think about it, it's like, oh, he's only 23 years old. <laughs> like, this guy, we haven't even really seen anything from him yet. So, yeah, that getting him in the trade I thought was big. And Beasley, a good plug-in guy. And, um, yeah, Braun, his ability to just fit right in, obviously. He's LeBron James. And I think the biggest thing that they missed in the Blazers and the game against the Warriors, even though they ended up winning that game that they had, obviously, when you have LeBron in this Pelicans game, is his ability to just sort of problem solve while playing the game like in real time just knowing which guy is going to be open before they even know they're going to be open setting guys up in the right place and you could just see in that pelicans game it sort of felt like everyone already knew their role like they were running so much plays for beasley these sort of like pin downs that golden state runs for clay and beasley's getting wide open looks because you have Delo who's also stretching the floor out there and then you have ad to worry about on the weak side and then maybe another shooter and then it's fucking lebron at the top of the key so, like, everyone was sort of, they knew their role. They were able to execute it with him on the court. And I think, I think offensively, this team is going to be really good. Defensively, right now, Braun is in cruise mode. AD can hold it down. Vanderbilt's great. Beasley's okay. And then D'Lo and whoever else that other spot might be if it's Schroeder when it's not D'Lo. Like, defensively, I'm not super, super high on them. But I think they can be good enough defensively. Offensively, though, I think they're going to be pretty good. And I really think that's what... That was like fundamentally the issue with this team when they had Westbrook on the on the team was it just didn't make sense offensively having those three guys out there. Now you can have D'Lo, Beasley who stretches the floor, Vanderbilt who he I mean he, he can shoot the three. He doesn't shoot it much, but he can he can sit in the corner if you're just gonna leave him wide wide open. He'll he'll knock down the occasional corner three, and um yeah I mean this team just makes more sense. The only thing is. They've dug themselves quite a hole to start this season. I'm pulling up the standings right now in real time. I just want to see where they're at in. Like, that's going to be the real challenge because they're, this is going to be a good team. This move that Palinka's made, I, I will actually, you know, I will actually say that he did his thing with this. This is a good trade. It makes them a lot better. 
it gives them a shot. But the only reason why I have some reservations on that really is because where they're at in the standings right now. So I have it up there 13th, they're 27 and 32. So they are two games back from the 10th seed, which is, you know, one and done playing scenario. And they're four and a half games back from the 6th seed, which gets you out the play. And they're about three games back from the 7-8 seed, which makes your playing situation a little bit easier where it's, you know, one win and you're in. Um, but yeah, they, that's the thing they have, there's little room for error, which this, this new roster that they have now with these guys, there's probably more room for error within the game. But as we're like looking at what, 24 something games left of the season, there is little room for error as far as LeBron resting, AD being in and out, you know, guys just being available. Like they have to, this unit that they have has to be a lot of consistent ball from now until the playoffs and, you know. We expect them to make that push. I mean, they're even talking about we're trying to get to the sixth seed. I think that might be a little, I think that might be some dreaming being done there in Hollywood, but they they, they definitely can make the play in for sure. Like this team could definitely go on a run where they win like seven out of 10 and, and they're, and because the West is so just jumbled up, they can easily be a seven, eight seed with like two weeks of decent basketball. But that's the thing. It has to be consistent basketball. It can't be like, oh, LeBron's out. I'm just going to blow this game to Atlanta. We're just going to chalk this up as a schedule loss. Like, no, they, they can't afford that anymore. So I like what it's looked like so far. I guess I like what it, what it has looked like for both teams. If I'm really talking big picture, the Mavericks, they obviously have other question marks just with the Kyrie thing. But as far as, as, far as what it's been on the court, the production, the actual basketball, both teams are obviously better. I like what it's looked like for both of them. Dallas, we're just going to have to see more adjusting i think from the two guys on the offensive end at times when it's close games i think that's really the big thing defensively i think you just have to just say a prayer and just hope that you score enough i don't know what they can do on that end and for the lakers they they finally have a team that makes sense around lebron and this is when you have that and you have a guy like lebron you have a shot so we'll see how the season plays out for both those teams and i'll try to hopefully Try to do this once a week where I'm giving you thoughts on two teams, keeping these short at about 25, 30 minutes to the most. Quick little little quickies here on the Connection Media hoop chat feed. Um, but yeah, check us out. Check out all the other shows we got, the wrestling show. Check out the main show with me and Gabe on the Richie and Michael Connection feed. Uh, check out our Instagram. Gabe got it active on there. Check out the TikTok. I got some stuff going up on there. Follow us on Twitter, um, share the podcast with a friend, leave a comment. If you want to hop on, be a guest, hit us in the DMs. We're really open and really receptive. I feel like I've said that at the end of like 20 different shows, but you never know who's listening. It might be the first time for someone. But yeah, thank you guys for listening and we will see you soon.